Welcome to episode four of Value Stack. I am Bo, or Shaper Funds, and I'm here with my esteemed co-host, BTC Baphomet, BTC Bat, or Zach. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thursday, we're recording on a different day of the week. We're going to try to do it during the week now. It's a better day. Uh, yeah, a lot, lot of scheduling conflicts on the weekend, so apologies to all of our many listeners that uh, it's, it's been a couple weeks, but we're back and we've got a fire agenda today. So uh, first we're talking about El Salvador. That's now accepting Bitcoin as legal tender. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Bitcoin maximalism and how good is maximalism? Is it good? And then I want to talk about a presentation that I gave to a couple hundred financial advisors that help oversee about $20 billion. And I uh, just kind of want to go over some takeaways from giving that presentation and um, kind of what it means for everyone. Um, you know, people just getting into Bitcoin, or maybe you have you have hired a financial advisor. Um, so, so some good stuff there. And then uh, we're also going to have boating accident of the week, uh, a new segment that we're throwing in. So um, look forward to that. But starting with El Salvador, um, you know, I I think that if you're a like world history or, or world monetary policy wonk, then the El Salvador news is kind of like the moon landing. Um, I, I really think it's it has been understated. It's it's a bigger deal than most people are giving giving credit uh, giving credit <laughs> whatever giving credit for yeah yeah so um, or credit to yeah one of those. So Zach, what are your thoughts on uh, the big news out of El Salvador? Yeah, I mean, I was there in Miami when they announced it, which was exciting. Uh, the, energy, <laughs> the energy in the room. With Jack Ballard's just like the emotional driven speech. I mean, it was it was an awesome it felt like something special. And then what was it, a week, maybe two weeks later, Nick Carter had that Twitter spaces with Nayib Bukele, the president of El Salvador, um the night that they signed the bill into law. Uh, and that was certainly like a historic event. I think there were like 30,000 people in that Twitter spaces. You know, this isn't like the mainstream media. This is a brand new beta tested, you know, app. So um, it's cool to see that. Uh, but yeah, the Peter McCormick interview then came out a couple of days ago uh, with the president, Il Presidente. Um, and, and now we've got, I think it's Paraguay starting to talk about wanting to put Bitcoin into their law, though it's not quite as promising, um, though it is promising, uh, but just not as definite, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's been, I mean, it's legal tender. BlockFi's terms of service, I tweeted at them. BlockFi's terms of service say that cryptocurrency is not legal tender. I think they need to make an amendment to that and say, Bitcoin is legal tender in some countries. Yeah. For for those of you listening and don't know, um, you could have probably picked it up by now, but El Salvador is accepting Bitcoin as legal tender. In fact, they're really kind of mandating it. If if you're an economic agent, if if you're transacting 
any type of currency, you need to be equipped to take Bitcoin. So in effect, mandating the use of Bitcoin across their entire economy and um, really giving a, a, a middle finger to the, the central bank in the U.S. because they use the U.S. dollar. Um, they've historically been reliant on the IMF, the International Monetary Fund. Um, they're kind of turning their backs on that too, which is going to be a great move for them long term, but um, certainly makes for some um, kind of wild headlines in the short term because mm-hmm. uh, the, the whole kind of global elite or <laughs> whatever you are. Um, <laughs> are that, they? I mean, oh, gosh. I saw that anarchy video, the Peter McCormick anarchist one, mm-hmm. uh, and he. Michael Malice. Yeah. And. <laughs> And he said, there is no mainstream media. It's the corporate press. I really love that. Yep. I think that's the most accurately put I've ever heard someone talk about the media. He's right. It doesn't represent the mainstream. So I don't know. When you say, when you said uh, financial elite, I just like, or whoever, it just hit a nerve. The, the, the people in charge do not want countries uh, using Bitcoin only. Um, yeah, it's fair. And the fact that this hasn't been talked about a lot in like at Reuters or the New York Times or uh, or Bloomberg is testament to this. It's literally the biggest monetary global monetary news since after World War II, like the biggest change and no one's reporting on it. Um, You got to get it from the source. And um, yeah, so just in case you're wondering the source that he's talking about it's the value stack podcast (laughs) yeah so heard here not first but you heard it here (laughs) yeah um yeah it's exciting man I, i i'm i think people are far underestimating how quickly bitcoin fever is gonna sweep the world um because no one alive today Really, maybe there's at least none of our listeners have ever experienced a change in global monetary regime before. So uh, rightfully so. I mean, I haven't experienced it either. Right. So um, but I've read I'm curious enough to read about stuff that happened far beyond I was even thought about being born. Right. Like so a lot of people don't think it's useful to read about the past because what's, what's past is past and want to focus more on the future. And that's fine too. But I think that the way you build the future more effectively is by making sure you don't repeat the mistakes of the past. And so, yeah, I, I, I think uh, a lot of people that don't understand Bitcoin, well, this might sound like, okay, they're, they're going to use Bitcoin. What, what does that mean? Well, probably more Bitcoin you know, the finite supply of Bitcoin is going to end up in El Salvador, like just as a result, like if, um, if more people are transacting in Bitcoin, more people are going to be holding Bitcoin there. Uh, but I think beyond that, it's, it's the first country that's going to attract developers, uh, attract, I mean, Bitcoiners are fucking smart, like really smart in all kinds of fields. And they're inviting a bunch of migration of really smart generally young people that want to change the world. And I think that th- there's just so much there that. 
Well, dude, I, I was watching this Vice News documentary from like five years ago about El Salvador. It was all about the gangs. Mm-hmm. And I guess like I never really realized how bad El Salvador is. It's got like the highest murder rate in the world. Or it was. It did. Maybe not now. This was in 2015, 2016. But I was reading about like the history of Nayib Bukele's new idea, Nueva Ideas party. Uh, and they have been, it's just like interesting. They, they've been extremely tough on gangs. Um, they've been, you should see the pictures, <clears throat> humiliating men, grown men, basically naked, like with like in what looks like concentration camps. Like uh, it, it really, the conditions do look that bad. So I, like, that being said, like, I, I just think it's important to always look at like the context of like El Salvador was a country where one in 10 people were involved in gang violence, one in 10 or one in 11. Uh, and there were multiple murders an hour. It, it just is like, because they use the dollar system, and it's funny when you study like how the gangs came about in El Salvador, they were immigrants from El Salvador into the United States and in the eighties or I think it was in the eighties. And then the U S toughened their immigration policy and deported all of these LA gangs, like the MS 13 and the, um, Calle uh, DSA Ocho, uh, whatever the street 18 is. And they were, so the reason I'm bringing all this up is that the reason that the gang violence got so bad in El Salvador is is partly in response to like U.S. policy, uh, which crippled their economy when all these people moved back and started gang violence. And then now they're beholden to the U.S. dollar. Um, mm-hmm. so the point is that I'm, I'm trying to highlight the, the game theoretical nature of Bitcoin adoption, because mm-hmm. if you get dealt a bad enough hand, whether it's your fault, partly your fault, completely your fault, if you're playing a bad enough hand as I guess I should say more specifically, Bitcoin has certain characteristics that make it. What else have we got to lose but take a chance on this? And when you listen to Bukele's uh, Peter McCormick interview, he talks about this. He's like, yeah, so what? Yeah, it may be some risk, but like the risk isn't doing nothing. Do you see what the state of our country's been? And so this like new ideas and like he's trying to turn a leaf for the whole country and for a whole, you know, millions of people that basically from what I gathered live in, you know, relative fear or tough conditions at least. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a much big, and so that's why they're first because they've got not, they've got the least to lose by Mm -hmm. adopting it Mm -hmm. and they have the most to gain. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they don't control the U.S. dollar and the U.S. dollar doesn't work for them. It's, it's not fair. Um, they don't control the Bitcoin protocol, but um, it's a hell of a lot better than the U.S. dollar. So they're making a they're making a great move. And like you said, they don't uh, 
don't have a whole lot to lose, but we'll we'll see how that goes. And then you you mentioned it a minute ago, but I believe there's you know um, high ranking politicians in Peru, Paraguay, Nigeria that are Bitcoin. Um, don't forget the Tonga. Tonga, uh, yeah, um, that are very. Pro- <laughs> so we'll we'll, we'll see listener. what. <laughs> We'll see what what dominoes fall next, but that's um it's it's really exciting news and something to to keep an eye on. And of course, like the price of Bitcoin just crashes after all, you know, throughout all this. Um, now China has removed a lot of the mining, which is a two birds one stone effect because now China has less dominance and control over the mining network of the mining of the transactions. They also will receive less of the new incoming supply as a country, even though it's individuals that mine, I would imagine. Uh, And at the same time, China's where most of the dirty mining occurred, which is now going to be partially moot. Uh, So take that, fiat maximalists. I think that's a good segue. There's been a lot of talk about maximalism lately yeah am i a maximalist yeah yeah i think you are i wouldn't say you're terribly toxic but um i don't think i'm a toxic maximalist i think i'm a maximalist though you're you're a little toxic you're a little toxic but let's 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 talk about what that means (laughs) only to people you love and that's um That's that's true i'm not i'm not really toxic on the internet unless unless somebody starts like you're Egg, egging it on in which case i need to grow up and not not give in <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're a sweetheart on twitter um but yeah we we both just read robert Breedlove's kind of retort to his uh the abuse that he's uh <laughs> he's been given by the bitcoin community since mentioning bitcloud uh, being somewhat involved in BitClout, and it sounds like he sold his BitClout and gave it to a charity. So, so good on him. Um, and so we figured we'd talk about that today because um, you and I both were financial advisors. I, I still am, but um, you and I both are um, masters at persuasion and. I think we agree that Bitcoin maximalism has its place and it makes perfect sense while it exists. Uh, It's sort of PTSD on behalf of people that have been pushing this movement for 12 years now and have seen all kinds of crazy attacks from all corners and just don't want to put up with it anymore and know the right way. They know Bitcoin's inevitable. But Bitcoin maximalism comes across as, you know, screaming at people to believe what you believe. And as you and I know, well, that typically doesn't work. Typically, you're better off asking questions, asking the right questions, because everyone has to make this decision for themselves, whether they lose 100,000 on shit coins before they do it or not. Um, You know, I and I do think a lot of Bitcoin maxis or maximalists do it out of love. They don't want to see people blow themselves up on on shit coins and scams. Um, But at the same time, I think what Bitcoin is, (laughs) Bitcoin is about freedom and liberty. And what it does is it frees all of us from a system that doesn't work for all of us. 
And so, you know, I, I think it kind of goes against Bitcoin's ethos to, to scream at people and tell them what's right, what's wrong, what they shouldn't explore. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little concerned. I was a little concerned when I first saw him tweet about BitClout. Yeah. I read his, I read his post. I didn't block him. I didn't unfollow him. <laughs> I, I, I was curious to make a, uh, I, to make a judgment. Like I, I waited to make my opinion about it until I, until he wrote what he wrote. Yeah. I agree with what he wrote. I think that if I, if value stack ever becomes a big podcast and I'm famous on BitCloud. I think it makes total sense to claim it, especially in the way he did, and then give it to open source development. Now, some people could say that he was backpedaling, right? And like trying to play it off to make it look, but like the facts of the matter are he didn't profit off of it, he gave it all away. So everybody shut up, let's move on with our life. Like, yeah. The guy has written a lot of incredibly well thought out and simply distilled complex topics like into really short and well not short <laughs> anything but short but, <laughs> but 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 understandable language like and i appreciate that and you actually, know i actually want to give breedlove a quick plug uh, him with jeff booth the what is money series podcast series, series i've ever listened to it's it's the number one piece of inner or uh it's the number one thing I've ever consumed. Put it that yeah. way. <laughs> Literally. And it's so long. Um, I listened to each episode like three times because I want to make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, luckily, I got to meet Jeff Booth in Miami. It was a great time um, there. Just getting to talk about him. He is exactly like you would think in person. And he's exact, he he's just, he's got a, a, a inquisitive, air about him like you can tell he's interested in talking uh and mm -hmm. i appreciated that you know because mm -hmm. he didn't know who the hell i was he's not a listener yet um but now he is yep <laughs> uh i'm gonna send it to him after so 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 robert breedlove aside do you think bitcoin maximalism has a, has its place yeah of course how about toxic bitcoin maximalism not really but i think Toxicity is a sliding scale. I don't think it's a, you are toxic or not. That's part of our problem with our society. Everything's so black and white, literally black or white, uh, or, you know, Republican, Democrat, like you know, anti-vax or vaxxer, you know, it's all so silly. Mm -hmm. People exist on a spectrum. You know, yeah. my bullishness on Bitcoin it, it exists on a spectrum relative to yours, mm -hmm. even if even if we're both ultra bullish. Right. So I, I think that maximalism has good intentions. And I, that's why I say that I'm a maximalist and that um, I understand the path to getting erect. I know from experience, I know from observe observation, both in 
my professional life and my personal life. Um, and so I just don't think that toxic maximalism is really, it's hard to define. Like mm-hmm. without name calling, there's some people on Twitter that just shit on everybody and everything and anything. Mm-hmm. Whatever. They can be who they are. I don't block them typically. Um, then there are people that are like me who probably occasionally can get a little toxic, but overall, like the only time I even get emotional in my tweets or in, in discourse at all is when I care about that person. I don't care about that person. I don't get toxic. So shitting on random people in Twitter is makes you look like a fool. Yeah. Um, now that's not to say I haven't before, but you know, that's, that's how you learn and grow as a person. So I, I, I do think that what Breedlove said, as far as it's not as needed, maybe even, you know, I appreciated that, that like, I appreciated that appreciation of toxic maximalism in a way he talked about how at some point it was almost necessary when Bitcoin was under such attack when it was so young and fragile, but we've got nation states adopting it now. So the toxicity, I think it's still for most mean well, mm-hmm. but I do notice the, the group think that comes with it. Yeah. And in the case of Bitcoin, that's good. That maybe to some degree, because they don't stray from the, the prize, but in the case of just living a, a abundant life of, you know, healthy relationships and just a life of like satisfaction, I don't think that being so dogmatic is, yeah, um, it is be- beneficial. But I, I, again, I get where it comes from. And I don't think I'm in the place to make a judgment on whether they're they're right or wrong for being a toxic asshole on Twitter. It's not yeah. my place. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then just in, in terms of persuading people, I mean, now, just as you mentioned, there's like a sliding scale of toxicity, right? Some people are more toxic than others. I think there's also um, some people are more receptive to toxicity. <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's probably a small percentage of people out there that need to be yelled at, and that's going to help point them in the right direction. But that's the small, that's a small, small fraction of people. I think the vast majority of people <laughs> need to feel empowered to make the decision on their own. So I think if you're right. starting to become a Bitcoin maximalist, um, and Good. someone asks, asks you about Ethereum, Instead of being like, ah, scam coins, centralized, you know, whatever, um, it's best to acknowledge that, you know, it's a purpose-built protocol. It facilitates some interesting things. And then if you can just start with that, they're going to be receptive to whatever you say. But if you tell them it's a scam, they're not going to listen to you talk about Bitcoin. That's not a conversation. And yeah, and that's kind of the beauty of Bitcoin is that even if you do, 
right? This is where Breedlove was saying that toxic maximalism is not necessary anymore. Even if you do, the more you have to defend something, the weaker you mm-hmm. make it appear. You're right. Dude, I think that's where the have, st- have fun staying poor mentality comes from. Yeah. Because it's like, look, I don't have to convince you about Bitcoin. If you don't believe me, make your own decisions. You'll see. And you'll remember that I tried to do the right thing and yeah. and that I, I accepted the heat that you gave me in exchange for helping you. And I was willing to take that combat, the discourse with you, because I thought it was more important to help you than it was for me to get like maybe have an argument with you. I was willing to sacrifice that uncomfortable time to help you. And I think if you live by that, you'll probably stay astray or you probably won't go astray because when you start attacking and insulting people, you're not helping them anymore anyway. So you lose that when you do. So, you know, I like, I'm not going to say that I haven't shit talked Ethereum holders before. And like, you know, I'm human, man. But I, I, I have, you know, as I get older, like I'm, I'm, I'm more comfortable with what I believe mm-hmm. and I try to be convincing and transparent with people about Bitcoin and why I am so enamored by the idea. Um, but if you lose sight of the goal in the first place, then it's not effective. Right. Right. Well, um, I think that pretty much puts a puts a bow on that. So um before we Boating transition. Accident? Yeah, before we transition to uh my takeaways from talking to a bunch of financial advisors, let's look at our boating accident of the week. Boating boating accident of the week brought to you by insert sponsor here. All right, today's boating accident of the week is a new feature that we're going to include in each episode of Value Stack. The boating accident of the week is going to be a summary of a person in the media or, you know, popular culture that has completely wrecked or disappeared or total failed uh, on their uh, own reputation. So uh, without further ado, uh, and if you're not sure about, uh, if you're not familiar with boating accidents, it is kind of the, uh, I don't know, how, how would you say it? The, the idi- is it an idiom? I don't know if that's the, the word. Uh, it's a, a running joke it's that when you, lose your Bitcoin, you lost it in a boating accident. That's what you would tell the government. Um, so anyway, today's boating accident of the week is John McAfee. Rest in peace. John, you lived a hell of a life. Uh, not one that I would necessarily live, <laughs> but a hell of a life. Um, apparently, allegedly hung himself in jail Dude literally tweeted multiple times saying, if I hang myself, it wasn't me. Also got a tattoo saying schwacked on his arm. 
I'm trying not to laugh, um, but John McAfee was just such a character that his whole life was hysterical in um, how he lived it. Um, so, John, I really appreciated your final tweet that you put out about um, whatever it was. I don't know. I forgot what it was, but it was great. It was about giving your power up or something like that. Careful who you give your power to. Um, so McAfee security, antivirus, John McAfee, early crypto adopter. May he rest in peace. Uh, and may his private keys allegedly were all taken by the U.S. government anyway. Just in case, though, he's our voting accident of the week. Rest in peace, John. Rest in peace, John. Well, um, want to wrap up today's show. I like as like I mentioned, I gave a presentation to a couple hundred advisors that help oversee about twenty billion dollars. So, um, it's a lot of money. And I got to tell you, if you only know a little bit about Bitcoin and you're trying to learn more and you think that you're kind of late to the game. Don't go uh, to a financial advisor. <laughs> well, yeah, th that too. Don't go to a financial advisor and you're early. You are really early. Mm, um, yes. You may need to fire your financial advisor. Um, I would say if your financial advisor immediately dismisses Bitcoin, and they're the putting up a block. We were just talking about dogma. They're putting up a block mm. in their head and they are Great not time. willing to learn. And I would say most people in most professions have a better propensity to understand Bitcoin than a financial advisor. Um, let me just say a couple quotes that I heard while giving this presentation, which was a very, well, how would I say, um, technical slow, methodical kind of presentation. What is Bitcoin? Why is it important? How does the protocol work on a real high level? We didn't get into difficulty adjustment or anything like that, but oh, you uh, that. Yeah. What, what's a blockchain, all that. I heard El Salvador is a banana republic. Okay. <sighs> Whether that's true or not, where's that coming from? And why are you attacking El Salvador? I'm talking to you about how the Bitcoin blockchain works. All right. So um, at Damn. least I could... At least That's I can plant. Yeah, I know. At least I can plant a tulip bulb. Something else that I heard. <laughs> At least I can plant a tulip bulb. Dude, here's the real boating accident of the week. Oh my gosh! Oh, Jesus. At least uh, I can plant a tulip. Did he know or she? I don't want to be opinionated. Um, did they know that tulips only live, you know, for a couple of weeks? I haven't done my research on tulip bulbs. Let me just be clear. <laughs> yeah, Not a great heard... store of value over time. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of store of value, another thing I heard was, I can't tell clients this is a store of value if there's no there there. It's I, the I, energy I, that's spent to mine it. That is there, the there. That's the I, thing. It's I struggled with that one. I was like, is there any value inherent in the internet? I don't know. Where, like, where do you go to find the internet? Like, I'm sure, okay, you can go find the servers. That's the same thing. You can go find the, the miners and the nodes. I, I was just like taken aback. I was like, I didn't expect to hear that. Well, the um, internet's not a thing. It's not like a 
single thing. It's a group. It's groups and groups and groups and groups of wide area networks Mm -hmm. that are interconnected. There is no internet. Exactly my point. There is no single central point of Bitcoin. It exists everywhere. This is where toxic maximalism comes from. (laughs) And it really is. It really is. Because it's big people who, like, when you're serious and passionate, and especially when you're, like, good-intentioned, and they belittle you like that, that's where the have fun staying poor asshole comes in. Because then it's a human reaction. It's like, you're insulting me. I don't want to help you anymore. And because I don't want to help you anymore, now I no longer am seeking to teach, to to help you understand. I'm seeking to get even. And so I think that is like the toxic Bitcoin maxis they probably start out meaning well, and then they get triggered. And then because they get triggered, they lose their bearing on why they get triggered in the first place, which is meant to help other people, I think. At least yeah. I'm, that's where I come from. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a financial advisor's number one job is to help. And if that means researching some visa program that some country is doing or, um, you know, getting in the weeds about some single states 529 plan and how that can help their family. Like it takes a little bit of research on behalf of your clients and you need to be that trusted person that's willing to get your hands dirty and start to understand what it is that they're worried about. And I can't understand well why so many financial advisors that I work alongside are so helpful, so smart. And when it comes to Bitcoin, their brain turns completely off and they get emotional about it. And I, I, I mean, I think, I think a lot of things, but I think whether they know it or not, they're threatened by it. A hard money takes a lot of complication out of finance and complicated finance is how financial advisors make money right? Life's complicated. There's, there's a whole lot of value we can add. And one of those ways that we can add value is by teaching people what Bitcoin is. We don't have to say, put 10% of your portfolio in it. We don't even have to say, put 1% of your portfolio in it. But I think we should at least acknowledge it exists and have some you know, thoughtful, intelligent conversations around it. And the fact that most financial advisors can't, I, I, I think they're threatened. The world is changing so fast so fast so you fast. can't even take th- three year historical returns you can't even like, remote work wasn't a thing three years ago now it's the norm it, so yeah. i i think that people who don't adopt get left behind and Again, that's part of where the compassion from Bitcoin maximalism, not necessarily toxic maximalism, comes from. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, dude, I realize how fast this is going to leave. And when the train leaves the station, because I care about you, I don't want you to miss it. 
So I think, I, I think I, that, yeah, that's why we're doing at Casa. We're doing presentations for financial advisors, teaching them about the differences between custody solutions and holding their own keys. This concept of holding your own wealth is foreign to everyone because typically your stocks are held at a custodian. In fact, before stock certificates were removed, um, you know, they like bearer assets of stocks were a thing. Uh, but now that pretty much everyone who has it today, it's all held at the custodian on um, what's the term by the broker, whatever. Um, and because that, they look at the like, I, and you and I have dealt with like people with stock certificates and the amount of horrors and it brings. And so there's like sort of this negative connotation that comes with self custody that these people may have, even if they're old enough to remember it. Um, and the downsides of like having to be responsible. And so I think part of what we're trying to do and part of your job as a financial advisor, right? Like is, and part of both of our jobs in this podcast, really, even though we're not getting paid yet. Um, thanks, Anchor. Um, is to educate people and, and teach them. So people don't know about self-custody and they don't realize the benefits that come with it. And so uh, as long, again, like the one message I want the listener to take away is that Bitcoin maximalism is a good intentioned effort and if done properly can be effective toxic maximalism is a sliding scale um sometimes a, a mild level of toxicity especially with people where you already have that respect with not strangers on the internet let me be clear on that but people that you really care about, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your cousin, your best friends, be a little fucking toxic, a little bit. They might actually listen, but don't berate them. Don't belittle them. Don't tell them they're stupid. Don't tell them have fun staying poor. I'm not going to say I haven't done those things, <laughs> but I can say they weren't effective. Yeah. And I can't say they didn't help build those relationships either. So, and I can say that they didn't get them any closer to adopting Bitcoin. Except, except for maybe with you, but I don't think I really needed to be that way. So No, you, you, you weren't that way with me. No. With JJ I was. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so I, I hope that you know people understand that there's a generational multi-generational change that's occurring and there's a lot of people talking there's a lot of sirens they're singing there's a lot of prophets that are false prophets but if you if you guide your actions with good intentions and don't get so caught up in the group think that you forget why you're even doing this and i think you'll be okay your actions will be congruent with what your intentions are 
my uh, my takeaway for today is that it's it's early. It's early. I, I think El Salvador is just the first shoe to drop. I think if you're listening to this podcast and you've made it this far, you know more than 95, at least 95% of financial advisors out there. Um, if, if you're even interested in Bitcoin, uh, that, that puts you ahead of a lot of people. So uh, not a lot of people know a lot about Bitcoin and it's, it's just going to be one domino after another. Um, Bitcoin has the same adoption as the internet in 1997 and it's faster and it's growing faster. So think about that. It's early. Okay. The, you know, early gains, you, you shouldn't be in it for the gains. I think if you really understand Bitcoin, the gains are great. Sure. The gains but are th- the purchasing power of the Bitcoin. Yeah. I, I, so I think I just really want to stress that it's the top of the first inning. And Bitcoin or El Salvador may have marked the, the you know, the, the first uh, pitch of the game, if, if I'm going to push that analogy further. But um, yeah, the I, final I, Bitcoin will take 32 years to mine. Just remember that. The final Bitcoin will take 32 years. I'm not even 32 years old, dude. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. What? So yeah, we're at what? 17 million in 12 years. 19. 19 million. No. Uh, yeah. 18, 19, 19. Yeah. Okay. Almost 19. 90%, 90% of the supply. We're at like 89 point something. So yeah, that's like 2 million roughly. Yeah. Cool. So Sailor's got a hundred thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Hope he doesn't get liquidated. That dog. He ain't getting liquidated, dude. Are you kidding me? Bitcoin is not going down to what was the liquidation price? Like 18 18 18,000. Yeah. Dude, if it does though. <laughs> Anything can happen. Be prepared for volatility. We are not your fiduciaries. We are not your financial advisors. Do your own research. It's a volatile asset class and one that's probably going to be a hell of a lot higher in the future as the world adopts a new monetary standard. Yo, you want to um, drop some drop some shills? What's your what's your Twitter? At Shaper Funds. And I'm BTC BAP, BTC, B-A-P. That's P as in proficient at Bitcoin. Um, anything you want to leave with the, uh, the, the listeners with today? Listen next week. Uh, we are constantly trying to improve this production. Listen next week. If we record next week. Next week's 4th of <laughs> July. And uh, I definitely, oh, I want to I shill one, one thing. It's Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. Um, Foundation Devices has dropped their passport. Uh, it's a brand new hardware wallet. And it's completely air-gapped. And uh, it's all QR-based. So... You can set up a watch-only wallet with your phone by importing the public key. And then you can just scan a QR code on your phone of the device itself. Looks like a Nokia phone. It's so discreet. And uh, that you don't have to have any wires. Uh, You can do it. Uh, It's battery-powered. And it's built with some pretty good materials here in the U.S., 
they did not pay me to say this, by the way. I just am really excited to get this device and give it for a spin. So, um, yeah, check it out. They're uh, foundation devices. Cool. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Value Stack podcast. See you next time.